0: Welcome to Flock Tales, where we drink and talk about birds, mostly. I'm Maya Percy. I'm Ashley Ola.
1: I'm Kristen Bro. And I'm Jen Schneiderman. And we are your four resident bird nerds. And today, we are going to be talking about birds as symbols, or the symbolism of birds. And this has kind of been a morphed topic, because originally... (laughs) (laughs) Originally um for the new solar year that is going to happen the week that this episode comes out we talked about doing birds as symbols of rebirth but a lot of that had to do with babies and all of us were like no thanks we don't want that in our lives <laughs> so <True>. <laughs> accurate <laughs> and we found these other really cool stories that we wanted to share so we decided that we we were going to go with the symbolism of birds is that accurate yeah yeah that
0: seems yeah completely
2: it's a mishmash hodgepodge hot mess of topics to end a hot mess of a year
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) i think it's pretty fitting that we started this dumpster fire podcast in a dumpster fire year. Oh, okay, yeah. but our dumpster oh fire
3: of a podcast is, like, a good dumpster fire. Whereas yeah. the year of 2020 has been a horrible like, toxic waste dumpster fire.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Like, we're, we're the dumpster fire uh, that makes Spider-Man and stuff. Or that and keeps and, your like, hands nice and toasty.
0: Yeah. hmm like a festive yeah. little dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a happy little dumpster fire. <laughs> I don't know what your holiday plans are. <laughs> I'll be lighting dumpsters on fire.
3: Um, if now you don't hol- already have an episode name, Jen, I'm pretty sure yeah. that "Happy Little Dumpster Fire" should be the episode
1: <laughs> name. Dumpster fire is now the name of the episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it just conjures images of Bob Ross, and now I'm like, oh, I want Bob Ross to lead me um, on a painting um, journey of happy little dumpster fires. Can, yes. can you
3: request that Cody Bob Ross is a happy little dumpster fire for some merch?
1: I will. So yep. should
3: we talk about
0: birds?
1: Yeah, we should talk about birds. Yeah, we yes. could do that. I guess if
2: we have to.
0: Sorry, I'm just really loudly opening a Wait, beer right too. now. So <laughs> we're going to start talking in like one second. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> hey good <yo>. job. <laughs> Cheers, <laughs> fuck yeah. Cheers. <laughs> um. Okay, so the bird that I wanted to talk about today in this mythology symbolism dumpster fire is related to the solstice because today, as we're recording, is the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere. Very exciting. All the darkness. (laughs) Dark as hell. No more darkness. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing that I just learned is that uh, kingfishers are the solstice birds in Uh, In Greek culture, but it's kind of carried over into like many places where there are kingfishers, which is the whole world, which is really cool. Um, So I'm going to try to tell like a coherent myth that combines the solstice, (laughs) kingfishers and a bunch of Greek mythology, uh, which I'm going to attempt to pronounce. (laughs) Secretly just wanted to say a bunch of Greek names into this microphone and like hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Alphabet Such! I'm rooting for you. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool and it's a pretty wild story. So um kingfishers are so they're found throughout the world. Um in Wisconsin and in North America, we have the belted kingfisher, which is um I realized kingfishers are divided into 3 subfamilies, And so the belted kingfisher is a water kingfisher. And then um, in Europe, or like the kingfisher that would have probably inspired this Greek myth is a uh, a river kingfisher. And then there's also tree kingfishers, which are just like really beautiful, really bright and colorful. And they're found throughout like sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia. And there's like... Parts of all of these scientific names of these three subfamilies that have to do um, with the word Halcyon, as in like Halcyon days, and uh. um, this Greek myth of Alcyone, and I think I'm mm. hopefully saying that close to right. Um, I was like on YouTube listening to people pronouncing Greek (laughs) names earlier today, (laughs) and there are some wild little fights going on in the comment section. People are like scrapping it out, so like, sorry in advance if any of our listeners have strong opinions about how you pronounce these names because I might not (laughs) be doing it right. Um, so this myth there's Alcyone who is this like queen um she is the daughter of aeolus who is the god of the winds and she's one of the pleiades which is a constellation um called the seven sisters which is really cool it's a constellation you can see in the northern hemisphere um one of the seven sisters is named maya did you guys know that Oh, no I'm not. so cool crazy it's spelled the same way too with an i oh, nice really stoked so greek
1: goddess status achieved oh
0: my god absolutely yeah as soon as i learned that i was like well <laughs> sh- makes
1: sense but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, i am so here for the confidence that you did
0: <laughs> <together>. yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god so elcyone is a queen uh married to this guy whose name i think you pronounce seeks like seeking something but it also could be sayx and I don't know if it's like I yeah, I don't know how many syllables are supposed to be in here. It's C-E-Y-X. Um, and he is the son of Eosphorus, Aosphorus, who is the morning star, which is pretty Whoa. cool. This is getting so Greek um, so fast. Mm-hmm. I know, <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So the daughter of the god of the winds and the son of the morning star. Are this like king and queen who live by the sea, and they're really awesome. Uh, such power couple, but a lot of people are jealous of them, including um, most of the gods. Most of the significant gods are like a little jealous. And so,
2: super Greek, like I said.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, the brother of Sikhs uh, dies tragically, right. and I think actually by dies, I mean, he jumped off a cliff and was turned into a hawk at the last moment and just kind of vanished from the story. And so no one really oh. knows what mm-hmm. happened to him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so his brother, the king, decided to go to the Oracle of Apollo at Delphi, mm. which was ah. a really dangerous journey. And he went by sea. And uh, his wife, Alcyone, tried to convince him not to go because she knew that her father was the god of the winds and he couldn't be controlled. So the sea was just really crazy.
3: Mm.
0: And mm-hmm. so, of course, the ship sank, and everybody died, and he drowned, and it was really tragic. And um, <sighs> this, <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, classic tra- myth. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's melodramatic. <laughs> so this whole chain of events happened where Elcyani prayed to Hera, who sent a messenger named Iris, who is the goddess of the rainbow, to the cave of Somnus, to, who is the god of sleep, who commanded morpheus who is uh the <laughs> god of dreams no wait shit morpheus is the shape-shifting son of the god of sleep <laughs> and fuck? so oh. he was sent to uh to go visit alcyone in the shape of sikhs her dead husband and like explain oh. that he had drowned in the sea and so once that happened Alcyone was horrified and she ran to the nearest cliff, I guess, and jumped off into the sea. She was, you know, trying to get back to this guy who drowned.
1: Or, yeah, do you think it's because her dead husband manifested in front of her and was like, yo, I drowned. Peace out, bitch. <laughs> like- yeah, I'm not
0: clear on those details in particular, but I, it seems likely
1: <laughs> yeah, I would be really distraught if I saw that. Yeah, I
3: don't know if it's worse not knowing or if it's worse if someone pretended to be my husband and was like, "Hey, I died in the sea and then
1: like left." See, that's that's what's fucked up to me. It's like you can you can go to somebody and be like your husband died, but like when you dress up as them, you cosplay as the dead husband and you're mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I died." yeah
0: one of the versions I read it sounded gnarly too he like like he was all like pale and like dripping water and like you know staggering into her wherever she lived on the shore of this ocean and yeah mighty dramatic so as you would she went and jumped into the sea and at, have, oh, at this oh. point, the, the major gods who had like caused all of this shit by like being jealous and like probably sinking the ship in the first place, like felt mm-hmm. pretty guilty.
1: They and so they should. ended up
0: as they should. Mm-hmm. And they ended up changing both the El-Syanese and Sikhs into kingfishers. And oh. so these kingfishers uh, went, they flew out into the sea, and this was right around the time of the solstice. And, um, I'm not sure why exactly, but like immediately, uh, the kingfishers were just like building a nest on the sea, which is like not a thing that kingfishers, as we know do typically, they nest in burrows in the bank, yeah, but, Alcyone uh, built a floating nest on the sea. And then at this point, the gods were like super nice to them. And so they calmed the <laughs> sea for the days, the seven days before the solstice and the seven days after the solstice. So, there's this really like peaceful, calm time right around the solstice in the middle of all these other crazy winter storms. And uh, they're called the Halcyon Days. And so that's where that word Mm. came from. And that word kind of like morphed into all of these different scientific names of pretty much every kingfisher that we have in the world can all be like traced back to this solstice bird.
3: Whoa. That just gave me
0: goosebumps. So wild. All over.
1: <laughs> you did such a good job putting all of that together. Yes.
0: That was amazing. It's a pretty crazy story.
3: Also, uh, Greek myths are just always fucked up. Next level.
0: Yeah. They really are. And like this is the version like I cut out probably like a quarter of their friends and relations in this. <laughs> <laughs> because I was trying to just limit the pronunciation of Greek words. <laughs> like get to the story.
1: I love, uh, yeah, I did need like a flowchart mentally there for a hot second of just like, wow, this this dude and his father and that's not who we're (laughs) talking about. It sort of reminds me a little bit of those stories where like, you know, my friend's
3: brother's nephew knows Mm -hmm. someone who knows someone who knows someone. It's just like they Mm -hmm. always have to list off all of these people and like there's all of these steps to to get something done.
0: -hmm. Yeah, totally. Completely, it's a pretty tangled thing.
2: I feel like Mm -hmm. I could only remember the Morning Star Sun guy because he was the veggie burger guy.
0: That was all (laughs) I. (laughs) Totally, that's how I was holding it together.
1: What Morning Star Farms makes vegetarian.
3: All the veggie
2: options. burgers. Yeah, no, I know, yeah. I
1: know, I know. Morningstar Farms. I'm just like, what's this? Who's the guy? The son well, of the main the character is the son of the
2: Morning Star. Uh,
3: gotcha. Jen missed that part. <laughs> I
1: didn't even make that. Con- no, I didn't even make that connection. So <laughs> this is the weird way that my brain works. <laughs> it, no, I mean it works. I just didn't. It sometimes didn't works it. to clarify. Sometimes it
2: doesn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I constantly have smoke coming out of my ears from when my brain gears try to turn over
0: <laughs> <laughs> trying to connect a veggie burger to like this greek <laughs> god <laughs>
1: and also kingfishers <laughs> but also birds yeah also burgers bird burger birds bird burgers birdgers e. <laughs> <Yep>. birdgers yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was a really important leap that you just made and i
3: want
1: to want to recognize it <laughs> bird girders
3: <laughs> now i just imagine like birds holding bridges up <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: exactly that's
3: probably another greek myth
0: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 But there needs to be like 12 more murders in there. And like (laughs) 45 (laughs) more family members. Oh, definitely. Some
1: god's got to piss off somebody else for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And all of them are angry about the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, man. That was a good story. I liked that. I mean, it's sad, but I really liked it.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I think it like gets back to what we were talking about I think before we started recording about like in Greek mythology when people are turned into birds like what it means because the the brother was turned into a hawk and it seems like maybe not a good thing and then he was never mentioned again but here they're like turned into kingfishers and it's like this really cool heritage you think of with kingfishers and mm-hmm. yeah I'm sure there's so much more to it that's just like also been lost and dumbed down over the centuries.
3: Mm-hmm. Ashley, can you tell us a story? Yes, I'm going to tell you the story of the bare fronted hoodwink. <laughs> which I wait, think whoa, is whoa, so wait, 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 wait. <laughs> bare
2: fronted <laughs> as in B A R E? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just confirming.
3: Yeah, no, not like B-E-A-R. Not the furry mammal. Or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I imagined. Um. Anyways. Are we talking full frontal? Or like... <laughs>
1: it had to be asked, I'm sorry. Okay, but wait, we need a visual description. Ashley, please give us a visual description Um, of this bird.
3: Well, it has a very large black head, sort of like a crow's head. And then its body, I don't know, sort of looks, it's got like a brownish color on its back and wings, and then it's white on its underside with what looks like sort of a streak of rusty colored feathers down its like the middle of its front side, and then it's got this really goofy tail with what looks like three feathers on it. That sort of like stick up in a little arch. So bedraggled. It looks a little bedraggled, mm-hmm. yes.
2: It looks like someone took four different hundred year old taxidermy mounts and sewed them <laughs> together. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is what it looks
3: like.
1: Yeah, its feet are wild too. Oh my god.
3: And its <laughs> eggs are very strange. Two of the eggs are all black and two of the eggs are white with black spots like a cow. And they're way too tiny.
2: They're yeah, they're
0: tiny. And tiny. And it's also like if someone who is maybe like in third or fourth grade painted a cow, like that's the vibe. I mean, yes. <laughs> <with the> speckled <laughs> eggs.
2: <laughs> Wait, okay, I'm sorry, you can actually tell the story now. I apologize. Okay.
1: <laughs> We've established it's full frontal.
3: Full frontal <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay. Um the bare fronted hoodlink is a very shy kind of bird. Um it's never been fully observed except for this taxidermy mount. <laughs> wait, is it is that wait,
1: you said it hasn't been seen except for
3: that taxidermied mount? Yeah, that's the, the one in the picture, like that's the only one that's ever been seen. Whoa! Oh my god! Wait! Wow! Oh my god, wait. So that's this real? is a real bird. Can I tell the story? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. <goodbye>, yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> We're freaking what? out. How do we know someone didn't super glue these together? <laughs> oh my god.
3: Um. In any case, it's super shy. Uh, the the taxidermy one, which I'll put the picture. We'll put the picture up on all of the different places. Um, So its existence has only really been sort of like known thanks to the efforts of ornithologist M.F. Michael John, who conducted a careful study of birds that were only partially seen or indeterminately heard. And he advised bird watchers like out in the field that they could recognize this species, the bare-fronted hoodwink, by its blurred appearance and extremely <laughs> rapid flight away from the observer.
0: <laughs> Holy shit! I think I've seen it.
1: <laughs> all right. He- I also I, pre- I appreciate this dude's initials are motherfucking Michael John. Yeah, yeah. Um, so
3: M F Michael John. It's actually M F M Michael John, which stands for Matthew Fontaine <laughs> Marie Michael John. Too many
0: names. No, it doesn't.
3: <laughs> I, I love this. Please continue. He also noted that um amateur bird watchers appeared to have more luck um spying it <laughs> than like more experienced bird watchers. Oh, I bet they did. Um <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah. And so uh, And so on April um, 1st, 1975, the bird was put on display at the Royal Scottish Museum of Edinburgh um, in Scotland, Royal Scottish Museum, Um, Mm -hmm. and the exhibit included photos of blurry birds flying away. Um, And And Sasquatch? You all might have maybe already guessed this, but this bird actually isn't real. The taxidermy one is... (laughs) A combination of the head (laughs) of a carrion crow, the body of a plover, and the feet of a waterfowl. Um, And the bare front part was comprised of wax. So that's like the red sort of streak on it. Um,
0: Oh my god. The gross little skin patch? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Um, He,
3: MFM Michael John... Wrote a paper and published it in the scientific journal *Bird Notes* in 1950 about oh, the wait. bare-fronted hoodwink. Um, it was oh, it was a long and humorous paper, according to Wikipedia. Oh, oh wait, like it was meant to be satire? Yeah.
0: And they published it.
1: Wow, the heyday wait, of papers! Right, I want to
3: hmm. read it. Right.
1: <laughs> when when did ornithologists lose their fun? You could never publish something mm-hmm. like that today.
3: Um, according to this other website, um, Gizmodo dot com, uh, basically, like I think we all know as people that look at birds, birds fly away, and you don't get good looks at them. And I guess mm-hmm. MFM Michael John decided that. He was going to name those birds and sort of like poke fun at it because why not classify the things we can't see? Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, they call it the flying Sasquatch because it's never satisfactorily captured, <laughs> seen, or
1: photographed.
2: <laughs> Wait, that's amazing.
1: I really wish I was still teaching bird ID courses because I would have like every (laughs) single time a student asked me what a bird was that I didn't see, told them it was a bare-fronted hoodwink. (laughs) So that's so good.
3: There's not like a ton of symbolism except the like you don't always see birds, and now you can call them something if you want.
1: I love it. I usually just call them motherfuckers. (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) or what is it like? LBBs, like little brown bird.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or
2: SBB, streaky brown bird. I might have made that one up. I'm not sure if that exists.
3: I I feel
0: like I've heard that one.
3: Anyways, I almost picked another Greek myth, um, but I didn't want to deal with all of the (laughs) horrible things that happen in Greek myths, and so I was like, I'm gonna pick a fake bird.
1: I
0: think you did the right thing. Yeah, one Greek myth in a day is, like,
1: plenty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Unless it's about, I don't know, wait, was Dionysus Greek or Roman? I don't know. The Romans just copied the Greeks
0: anyways,
1: so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because Dionysus is, like, he sounds like a cool dude. Was it?
0: He seems pretty iconic, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: There was a play at a festival for Dionysus. I'm going to derail this. I'm sorry. Do there, was a play- <laughs> there was a play during a festival for Dionysus where somebody wrote a story of Dionysus just like trying to do all of this heroic shit. And then his servant, like Dionysus fucking it up. And then his servant having to come in and save his ass. And the whole festival decided that that was the best play to honor Dionysus ever. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Gen Dionysus, <laughs> mm-hmm. is Greek. The Romans
3: okay. basically took that and turned it into Bacchus.
1: So, like, a Aboc- Bacchus. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. Just like- yeah. yeah. The syncretism always, always gets me.
0: Well, didn't Dionysus... Yeah, I like this festival... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: I just was going to say I like that this festival about this dude decided that, yeah, he is absolutely a useless human garbage guy
0: well yeah did he like, live like in a box or like a wine barrel he lived in a wine barrel and people were just well, like they brought him everything he needed because he lived in a barrel <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he was like really happy and like frequently just like drunk because everyone gave him wine that <laughs> sounds you don't need okay anything in life. <laughs>
1: yeah i mean that just sounds like me when i drink i'm just like i love you all <laughs> i mean i'm like that anyway but totally.
0: and now i live in this barrel <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh, I miss getting drunk in the same room. Oh <laughs> my god, I know, right? As other humans, I guess, generally. <laughs> the cuddle puddles. Oh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, I miss too puddle puddles. am a sappy drunk.
0: Oh, aren't we all? Wait, I was just thinking about this crazy, like, potentially, I mean, maybe definitely, unreal bird. <laughs> <laughs> it's reminding it. me of a Wendell Berry poem about like an unknowable animal do any of you know that poem no I don't I don't know that oh my god it's so now. cool he like wrote it based on I can't remember like some maybe like a nephew or something who was talking about how he wishes there's an animal that no one has ever really like gotten able like a good, to get a good look at or like really been able to see <laughs> and how he hopes it'll always stay that way it's just a really cool like sense of mystery and like mm-hmm. that we maybe don't know everything. And as much as we think we do
1: i think that's the point of a lot of myths and legends and symbolism is like a way to explain these things that we don't really have an explanation for and just because we have more of an explanation now doesn't mean that we still know everything and mm-hmm. i think it's like it's cool because i think there's still a place for that and i like that so thank you wendell berry <laughs> yeah completely Kristen. Oh, yeah. I feel like I took this way too literally now.
2: Uh, I don't really have a story.
3: I feel like we have a good breadth of different things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: definitely. I have more of a collection of facts and, like, symbolism from different places. Mm -hmm. So, today, I am going to talk Mm -hmm. about the Robin, which... By virtue of robin being a common name and not a scientific name, there's a lot of different birds that we call robins.
3: (laughs) Um,
2: I'm going to talk about two specifically. Uh, Yeah, so I'll just jump in. So I learned as a kid, and I think probably a lot of people did, that like the first robin of the year is a symbol of spring coming after usually what has been like a long, cold, dark winter when you're really ready for spring to spring to spring, I guess.
1: Spring to sprung. When you're ready for spring to
2: sprung, uh, (laughs) that's when when the robin comes.
1: (laughs) Um, When you're over it.
2: Yeah, basically, when you're over like the gray, gross, disgusting, blackish snow from all the people driving on it, that's when robins come back. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. basically, for that reason, robins are a symbol of renewal and rebirth. Basically, all of the dead and dormant things coming back to life after a dreary winter, which now is making me think of zombies. Mines. <laughs> <laughs> uh Yeah, so apparently, according to an old legend, if you make a wish on the first robin you see in spring, it will come true. Unless the robin flies away before you finish your wish, in which case you'll um. have bad luck for the whole year oh no this sounds uh,
0: devastating oh so my god just keep it keep it short i, don't, I, I don't already know have anxiety about this <laughs>
2: maybe just don't wish on it just in case ooh, ooh. you're right you're right <laughs> just play it safe have a solution.
3: i'm ready what? yeah we just set up mistnuts everywhere and we catch the robin <gasps> and hold it until oh. we make our wish and then we let it go <laughs>
0: there's no rule saying you can't
1: do that you know how uh, robin's
0: always just look so pissed too like as you're banding them would you imagine being like wait hang on for like one more second while i just say my wish <laughs>
3: <laughs> or how when they're angry they like just sit up in a tree and they chirp and they like flick their wings at you and their tail and-
1: yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah I can never take them seriously. Like I'm like you're really pissed at me, and I know that. But goddamn it, you just I want to cuddle you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, something about the way that robins stand and like thrushes in general.
2: So the North American robin is in the thrush family, which I think I mentioned last week is the family turd today, <laughs> <laughs> <Did laughs> which me. still makes yes. me laugh. <laughs> Um, but something about the way that thrushes stand, it makes, like, the way they hold their wings, it always looks like they're wearing, like, an oversized coat.
3: Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
2: And so it makes me laugh, mm-hmm. and I can't take them seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so here in North America, like Ashley said, we're super familiar with American robins. Um and they're a medium to large brown bird with a reddish-orange breast. Most people probably know what they look like, so I'm not going to describe them <laughs> in much detail. Um, and while we associate the first robin of the year with spring, they're actually not really migratory. They can be seen pretty much year round in every U.S. state. It's just that their behavior changes a lot in the winter, so they're usually less obvious to people who are just paying attention to the birds in their backyard, for instance. Um, over the winter, instead of, like, pulling worms out of the ground, they kind of switch and become frugivores because that's what's more available to them and they need that calorie dense food to get through the cold winter. And so they'll often join mixed flocks with other birds like waxwings and
3: starlings to find food and water. Kristen, 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 what does frugivore mean?
2: Oh, yes, sorry. A frugivore means that they eat fruit and berries and shit like that. Yes. (laughs) They shit?
3: (laughs) No. Not shit.
2: But they will shit gross berry shit onto your car, so watch out, Mm -hmm. folks.
1: Oh, it's so nasty
2: oh that was always the worst part of well i mean it was like the greatest and the worst part of the field season catching jays after the berries all were ripened Mm -hmm. and they would just be eating berries and we'd be like catching them and trying to ban them and they'd just be like shitting gross purpley black berry juice everywhere
0: (laughs) yeah completely
2: oh good times uh (laughs) but yeah so They are, robins are some of the earliest breeders, and so when they're ready to start breeding, they become really obvious again as they're, like, searching for worms and looking for mates and chasing each other around, and so hence we associate them with spring. But a lot of the things that North Americans associate with American robins actually came from old European mythology and folklore about European robins, which are a much smaller and, in my opinion, cuter bird from a completely different family. Mm -hmm. So European robins are small insectivores, which means they eat mostly insects and bugs. And they're brown with a bright orangey red breast. I'll definitely post photos. Um, 10 out of 10 for cuteness for these birds. Mm-hmm. They're also super fierce and territorial, which I didn't know. I guess the males can be super aggressive against like male competitors. And their territorial disputes actually lead to a decent number of fatalities, like, Ooh. in one study, yeah, like, competition between different males accounted for up to 10% of adult robin deaths.
3: Whoa. Which
0: Whoa. is, like, a lot. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you? Could you imagine yeah. seeing these, like, adorable little round birds? Fighting just to the death? Scrapping it out? Holy shit. Oh, How is that God, even,
3: like, no. advantageous if we are just, like, killing each other? I mean, I guess you're killing the competition, but, like, you're also wasting a bunch of energy and potentially dying from infection or disease. Yeah.
2: It depends a lot on, like, the value of the terror. I don't know. There's a whole body of literature on it. But common loons actually do the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, I'm not going to go into it. I could talk for, like, days about it. But anyway, so (laughs) European robins are super popular with people in the UK. In 2015, the European robin beat out the barn owl and the blackbird by a very wide margin to become the national bird of Britain. They just like let people vote and people voted for the robin.
1: Um, How do we make this happen here? Why don't we just hold a vote? Well, yeah, we need another I feel
2: like we have this weird tradition about the bald eagle being our national bird.
0: Yeah, and I feel like sucks. it would just get reelected or like whatever you you say. We <laughs> <whatever you're
3: saying. laughs>
2: need <Voted> to back. <laughs> we need to run a smear campaign against the bald eagle.
3: <laughs> literal trash birds. <laughs> yeah, dude. And they sound Wait, wimpy. what bird
0: is running against the eagle though?
3: Well, if you ask Brent, Ben Franklin, the turkey. Yeah, fuck yeah. Back
2: to
1: man. the turkey. I'm down. Can the turkey actually,
0: win yeah. against an eagle?
1: they're probably smarter have you seen the Definitely spurs smarter. they have on their legs
0: but have yeah. you seen them like try to walk calmly across a road <laughs> yeah, that's true. okay but also, but also have you seen that video of that like a whole flock
3: of turkeys circling a dead cat like that's some serious witchcraft stuff going on right there oh, Yeah, yeah
2: they've right. got satan on their you're
3: side right. they're unbeatable for sure
2: Uh, Yeah, anyway, so there's a lot of interesting mythology (laughs) and folklore (laughs) associated with robins that I have yet to talk about. Yeah, so there's a couple stories um, from, like, Christianity that are associated with robins, which I thought were really interesting. Um, So Mother Teresa wrote this book, and in her book she had this story about a robin. And basically she said that robins used to be all brown, but... A one certain robin flew past Jesus on the cross because this is Christianity, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. And this robin wanted to help. So it like went down and like tried to pull a thorn out and it accidentally Mm -hmm. pierced its own chest with the thorn. And that's how robins got their red breast. Mm -hmm. Um, So in her book, Mother Teresa used this as like a parable that everyone must try to be like the robin. And if you see someone else in pain, you should try to help, um, which is actually super wholesome. Um, that's pretty cool
0: yeah Mm -hmm.
2: i kind of like the story a variation of the story says that instead of like pulling a thorn out the robin sat on jesus's shoulder and sang into his ear to comfort him in his pain um and in this variation the robin's chest is just stained with blood from jesus's wounds so Mm. somehow he got blood on his chest and that's why robins have red breasts
1: (laughs) I mean, it's it's sweet, but it's got the right amount of gruesome to still, like, hold interest. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were saying earlier,
0: it's, like, the pagan roots of Christianity.
1: <laughs> like yeah.
0: Bloody little birds flying around. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So they apparently also, there were a lot of things I read from several different cultures about how, like, if robins sing from certain places or, like, at certain times or, like, a certain melancholy song – um Mm. then bad weather is coming and apparently robins were also like a storm cloud bird and they were sacred to thor the god of thunder in norse mythology Mm. yeah who knew
0: it's really cool Mm -hmm. they do have such Mm -hmm. a sad song like that one certain like people describe it as laughing that Mm -hmm. part of their call but it just sounds really sad to me have you guys noticed that they do have one that
3: sounds mm-hmm. sad.
0: Melancholy is a good word yeah, for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like their dawn and evening song. So it's already kind of the like, mm-hmm. yeah, like sad transition mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. The time of the day that
2: makes you feel all nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That late afternoon. <laughs> like, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what have I done wasting the day? <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> Um, okay, but so my favorite part was how many sorts of existential trouble you can get into by killing or injuring a robin, which
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs> immediately oh popped God, out yes.
2: when Ashley said she was just going to catch the robins and hold them to make her wish. Oh, <laughs> I immediately worried for your life, because there's a lot of stuff involved but, but here. But so, say I going
3: to murder it. Well, I don't know
2: if you even want to catch them anymore. <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. There's all kinds of shit that happens to you if you fuck with robins. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, so apparently if you destroy a robin nest, lightning will strike your house.
1: Fuck. Okay.
2: Uh, Wearing, bearing, or possessing the wing or feather of a robin, or as they call it in Europe, a robin redbreast, is (laughs) a negative (laughs) sign that means ill luck will strike you. Mm. And then there's a lot of shit that happens if you kill a robin. In Wales, if a robin dies in your hand, your hand will shake with palsy forever. Mm. I don't know exactly what Whoa. palsy is, oh but my God. it gives you jazz hands.
1: You get a tremor, mm. yeah. It's
2: no good. Uh, in Italy, yeah. killing a robin can make you suffer epilepsy, which is weirdly specific, but okay. Uh, the Irish believe that if you kill a robin, a large lump will grow on your hands and prevent them from working. <laughs>
0: okay that is such a like irish legend <laughs> it's
2: like the, i found this weird website that was saying all these things and i did not go anywhere else to confirm them so i'm just literally reading you from this website right now <laughs> so sorry if i'm full of shit people from ireland italy wales or anywhere
3: else
2: yeah if you break a robin's egg something valuable to you will be broken which seems only fair mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, just don't keep a robin inside your house, ever. It's really bad luck. Uh, It was very mm. cryptic what would actually happen, but probably some sort of
0: doom, I'm sure.
2: Mm. So yeah, basically, Regardless. don't fuck with robins or bad shit happens.
0: What if the robin flies into your house, like, of its own accord? That's
2: what it said! It was like, especially if it flew into your house accidentally, you need to make sure you get it out immediately.
1: Fuck. Okay. or you're fucked oh damn yeah it was weird hmm. wow I feel like okay. it would be
3: worse if you purposely brought it into your house like if it yeah. accidentally bumbles through your open door like pretty sure that's the robin's <laughs> fault but.
2: apparently it's on you I don't know you get blamed
0: for it so <laughs> sounds chaotic either does, way
2: right
1: right Almost they're large certainly. and panicky such forbs.
3: What else about
2: robins? Uh I mean that's pretty much it. Yeah. They symbolize renewal. Great winter into happy green spring. And also don't fuck with them. And that's that's the gist of
3: robins. Yeah. Also the Crayola that's box so cool. is not lying. Robin's egg blue is literally the color of a Robin's egg. At least mm-hmm. North American mm-hmm. robins.
1: Ah! It's true. I love that.
2: That's very good. Oh my gosh, this neighbor Sorry, speaking of breaking robin's eggs, when I was like a little kid, <laughs> my sister yeah. and I found a robin's egg, because apparently that happened when we were kids. And uh-huh. uh, this neighbor kid was a total dick, and he convinced my sister to roll it down the slide in our backyard,
0: <laughs>
2: at which point, obviously, it broke. And yeah, that was a very formative experience of my life.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. But you're like immediately all struck by lightning after that incident? Not
2: immediately, (laughs) but I feel like there must have been bad luck that I no longer remember.
3: Maybe I'd locked it out. Did you lose Mm -hmm. something precious to you afterwards?
1: That's, I was trying to remember It it was
2: so long ago.
1: I probably did. Your childhood, you lost your childhood in a sense. Probably. Mm. There was a lot of guilt. Totally.
3: Totally sad.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So our last thing that I'm going to talk about is Feng Huang, which I'm also probably mispronouncing, um, so I apologize. Um, it is a Chinese legend about a bird that is associated with um, like reign of other birds and fire and the birth of the cosmos and the universe, which is pretty, pretty legit. So, uh, it's also in English known, we can, like, translate it to, like, the August rooster. Um, <laughs> sometimes this bird <laughs> takes the place of the rooster in the Chinese zodiac. Oh. Um, in the Western world, we commonly call it the Chinese phoenix, or simply the phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very not similar at all, aside from the fact that, like, it's a bird that's associated with fire and... It's really cool.
3: <laughs> Fuck yeah,
1: yeah. So the Feng Huang is actually two birds, um, Feng, which is the masculine bird, and Huang, which is the feminine bird. Nowadays, they're just kind of like put together into like one feminine entity because it's often paired with like a masculine form of a dragon. So it's kind of like the dragon was like the emperor of China, and then the Feng Huang was, like, the empress of China. So it's, like, that depiction, duality kind of there. Yeah, it's a really cool bird. So it's a bird that looks like a whole bunch of shit. Yes. Um, It's said to be made up of the beak of a cockerel, or a rooster, the face of a swallow, the forehead of a fowl. This is very specific. Yeah, it gets weirder. (laughs) The neck of a snake. The breast of a goose, the back of a tortoise, the hindquarters of a stag, and the tail of a fish. <laughs> Wait, the back of a tortoise, like it has a shell? I think it's more the patterning, mm. but yes. It kind of, in a lot of depictions, looks like a pheasant. So like a Chinese pheasant or a ring-neck pheasant um, or an Egyptian pheasant, which are also really cool birds. Um, so yeah, uh, one of the cool things about this... Uh, the feng huang is that it is associated with the world's creation so uh, there's this whole like chinese creation myth um that's associated with pangu which i'm again probably mispronouncing who was the first living being and creator of all things who emerged out of like this giant egg of chaos basically um and brought these four other beings to life the dragon the probably mispronouncing this again sorry the Quilin or chilen which is like A horned creature with hooves or commonly called a Chinese unicorn. I don't know anything about it um, (laughs) beyond that. The turtle and then Fenghuang or the phoenix. So these four creatures were known as the four spirits and they joined forces with Pangu, the original creator, and created the world. And then these four spirits had the power over five elements, metal, wood, water, fire, and earth, and then gave birth to the seasons and they also ruled over different portions of the sky, T- or the Fenghuang took control of fire, summer, and the southern portion of the sky.
3: That tracks. It's
1: um, really cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so this bird is associated with fire. Um, but one of the like really big differences is that this bird is just immortal. Like it doesn't die and then re- is reborn from its ashes, much like the phoenix that we know of in like medieval <laughs> Western culture. Um, It's just immortal, and it also has a fuck ton of power over fire. Uh, The Fenghuang is said to be incredibly rare and only lives in a specific mountain range in China. And it is known to be very fond of music, such that if you go to the forest region where it lives and play a song for it that it loves uh, or it likes the tune of, it will sing along with you and grant you like great prosperity.
0: Aww. Oh my god, that's so
1: cool! <laughs> yeah, it's also so because it lives in these very remote mountains. The Fenghuang usually doesn't come in my in my brain. It doesn't dignify humanity with its presence very often. Totally. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it is seen, it's seen. And associated with times of, like, great prosperity and change and good things. Um, So it was said to be seen, like, when a new emperor was crowned or, like, at the start of a new dynasty, Hmm. things along those lines where it's, like, a big change, but it's all going to be good and prosperous. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's good stuff. So the last time it was seen, (laughs) which I love that there's record of this, is it is said to have been seen in 1368 uh, oh. in the uh, in the Anhui province at the grave of the founder of the Ming dynasty
2: that's a long um, time ago that is,
1: yeah
2: we're in great yeah. need of a feng huang now yes i we really agree. are <laughs>
1: um, the last thing i will say about this bird is that uh, it is not only i'm talking about the the chinese uh form of this bird but it is like found throughout what's called cyanospheric mythology so it's like a whole bunch of different like Hmm. cultures on the asian continent um so like there's this is the chinese uh word for it there's also korean japanese um vietnamese and a whole bunch of other cultures have like a very similar figure that they call by a slightly different name but (laughs) the coolest one that i'm going to talk about is the japanese one Um, because I love it. Uh, so the characters for Huang translate in Japanese to Ho-Oh which sounds a lot like Ho-Oh which sounds a lot like a Pokemon. It does sound like (laughs) a Pokemon that looks sort of
3: like Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) It does!
2: Um...
1: Wait, do I know this Pokemon? It's the first... Pokemon that Ash sees in episode one of Pokemon.
3: <laughs> oh, it's Gen 2.
1: Yeah, it's Gen 2, okay. but he sees it.
2: Wow. I vaguely remember mm-hmm. this one, maybe.
1: Um. Yeah, it's, a, it's great. Pretty cool. There are some wild, wild descriptions of this bird. Like, that's not even the one that I gave of all of those different animals together was just one. There's also like one where in modern day sometimes the interpretation is the head of a golden pheasant, the body of a mandarin duck, the tail of a peacock, the legs of a crane, and the mouth of a parrot and the wings <laughs> of a swallow.
2: They took I, all I, the obnoxiously brightly colored birds and mashed them together.
3: <laughs> I love it. Okay, now we need somebody to make a taxidermy mashup of it like <laughs> they did for the- oh. Oh
1: completely <laughs> <laughs> so one of the coolest things is like that the the descriptions of this bird are all over the place but man like a lot of the pottery and the art of this bird is like very very beautiful and like flowing together and it doesn't look at all to me like it's individual components so maybe <laughs> this is a this the whole is the greater than the sum of its parts situation mm-hmm. i'm not really sure <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sounds like the pictures yeah. are beautiful Yeah, and there's depictions of this bird that go back, like, centuries, like, multiple centuries. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed these really cool facts and myths about birds, um, and what they symbolize in the world, I guess. (laughs) Just, like, the world. (laughs) (laughs) There's <laughs> a lot of symbolism
0: going on here. <laughs> Such a great dumpster fire!
1: <laughs> oh my god, I'm a fan of this dumpster fire. One of the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're in it, so obviously, yeah, hell one yeah. Of the best. <laughs> um, tell us what your favorite bird mythologies are. We did not talk about the Western Phoenix, but you know, I guess you can tweet at us about it too. Um yeah, there's a whole bunch out there and we would love to hear about your favorites. We have a couple of shout outs this week. Um, The first one is to Samantha Vold, our at Samantha Vold on Twitter. We also have a shout out to Just the Zoo of Us, uh, which is a really, really fun podcast about animals and zoos. Um, you should definitely check them out. Um. We also have another shout out for Dexter Patterson or at I am Dexter P on Twitter. Um, and then we have another one for uh, Bird Names for Birds, which <gasps> is super cool. <gasps> oh, my God. Yay. <laughs> I love that. so much. <laughs> yeah, They're so supportive. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we have another one for Christina Olichna, I think. Or at Christina Olichna on Twitter. We also have another one for Barry Alderson Jackson on Twitter or at Alderson Jackson. So thank you, everyone, for repping flocktails. Oh, we fuck super. Yeah. Very much appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, thank
3: you.
2: I'm not over bird names for birds. That's amazing.
3: For those of you that don't know, Bird Names for Birds, they're sort of sussing out all of the birds that are named after humans, mostly white men, that did horrible things to other people and <laughs> are trying to lobby for the names to get changed.
0: So mm-hmm. To things that have to do with the bird and not some yeah random horrible white dude. <laughs> 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 Support that mission so much.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, follow
2: them on Twitter. They've been doing a really cool series of, like, explaining who certain birds are named after and what deeds are, you know, in their past that are specific reasons not to name birds after humans.
1: Yeah, on Instagram, too. Check them out there. If you want a shout-out, you should probably interact with any of our multiple social media things. Please
2: email us! <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> not to be thirsty, but...
1: <laughs> where hey Kristen, where can they email us?
2: Oh fuck, I don't know what our Gmail is. Is it Flocktail Hour?
1: <laughs> it's Flocktailspodcast
3: at Gmail dot com. You can find us at Flocktail Hour on all of the social media. Which really mm-hmm. is just Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Sorry, I almost just spit all over my microphone. <laughs>
1: it was i was so so into it you have no idea I'm
2: so, I'm so buzzed right now i've literally been subsisting on cookies from the holiday cookie swap and sourdough <laughs> that maya made earlier
0: there are way That's too alive. many carbs in our house right now it's kind of so many cookies today
1: oh my gosh I stopped <laughs> counting it's not good it's not worth it. Don't count nah, these. It's, it's really not. It's I just
0: switched to drinking a beer instead, which is definitely not also <laughs>
1: just carbs. <laughs> it's the better option, though. yeah, it's not all just carbs. <laughs> There's also alcohol in it. Yeah, exactly. It sure is. Which can and sugar. sugar
3: which can Don't f- forget the sugar. <laughs> you do need the sugar to make the alcohol. Yeah. It's good it's for, for you. you. Yeah. FlocktailHour.com.
2: Uh, did we say that?
3: Nope, did Come to our, our fucking SOA?
2: website. We're at flocktailhour.com. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it is lit. <laughs> You'll have a good time. Just go there. Yes.
3: Full we have frontal... All of... uh... <laughs> I can't remember the name of the bird. It's gone. Bare-fronted hoodwink.
2: Bare- full frontal bare-fronted hoodwinks all over the website. <laughs> Come check it out.
1: Now there are... <laughs> Oh, but we have so we have a lot of episode content. So if you want to see our sources or pictures or uh potentially transcripts of these episodes, um, you can check if out I our one website. Or two.
0: <laughs> don't get your hopes up just.
1: <laughs> Kristen is losing her mind while you you losing
0: your mind.
1: No, don't apologize. Oh. I just want to know why.
2: What? No, I'm just laughing at bare-fronted things. It's fine. Don't <laughs> worry about me. <laughs>
1: We got our first email about bird poop. Yeah. Uh that was from my mom, Deborah. Mama Jen, Thanks, mom. thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that she signed the email mom, aka Deborah, and I was like, that's adorable. <laughs> thank you, Mom. <laughs> so sweet. Just clearing up any confusions. <laughs> Just in case the other
3: three of us thought that she was our mom. Might have been our mom. <laughs>
1: I think she would adopt you all. Aww. I'm just gonna throw Aww. that out there. That's sweet. She would at least minimum go to a bar with us and get kind of hammered. So
3: oh, I'm so
2: in. So
1: post COVID goal right we, there. We, yeah, yeah. post COVID <laughs>
3: we go to California and look at all the cool birds and hang out with Jen's mom
1: mm-hmm. and get fucking wasted and, and record some of my it. favorite bars in. <laughs> and record <it>. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. The special guest star. <laughs> oh my god. That is either going to be fine to edit or a nightmare. Actually, I it's gonna be a nightmare to edit. It's gonna
0: be a nightmare, but it's so glorious when you're done. <laughs> It'll be wonderful. It'll be my
2: masterpiece. Is every episode not hmm. a nightmare to edit?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes it's not, or yes it is.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> How do we interpret? Let's that? keep it vague. <laughs>
1: It's both. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, how about, uh, it's fun because I get to hear all of the stupid shit that I know we're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, uh, yeah, the, the audio poison sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry. It happens. <laughs> it's okay. I, I am probably the most egregious audio poisoner out there. So. Oh. No need to apologize. I've definitely uh, been I think we've all done our part. Yeah,
2: I've I've, po- <laughs> I've poisoned the waterhole a few
0: times. <laughs> <laughs> we've all shit in that well. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
3: That's how you get cholera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know That's why I said it and dysentery <laughs> and then you die in the Oregon Trail oh
2: I was so bad at the Oregon Trail you gotta bring the doctor always bring the doctor
0: oh my god oh, so real <laughs> yup this is a struggle classic podcast <laughs> dangers
2: dysentery <laughs>
0: <laughs> we gotta warn everyone
1: I need to I need to mention a thing. I need to mention one thing. Ready. That we forgot to mention, mm-hmm. which is that we are now in double-digit podcast episode. Yeah, this Ayo. is number 11. Oh! This is number 11. That's my lucky number. Ooh, oh, that's good. Eleven,
0: such a good number. That's like a binge amount of podcasts that yeah, we have that is. created. That's
1: pretty amazing. That is almost... <laughs> Almost 12 hours of content. We've burst 12 hours of content. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> I don't like it when you put it that Good way Good work, team. Oh, no, it makes it even better. No. <laughs> that we don't like it makes it better? <laughs> <laughs> yup. Oh. <Yeah. sighs> Well so thank you for listening. This year has been shitty, but hopefully twenty twenty one is better and hopefully these birds will carry you uh, into the new year more hopeful and feeling good. Oh <laughs> That was sweet. It was They're all rising sweet.
0: from the ashes of the dumpster fires. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs>
0: it's only up from here.
1: <laughs> Onward home. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Who you calling a home? I mean you're not wrong only, I just want to know how you found oh, out only everybody
3: <laughs> it's fine <laughs> uh,
0: should we sign off
1: yeah thanks for listening everyone
0: yeah I appreciate you all I'm Maya Pershing
1: I'm Ashley Ola I'm Kristen Brown. and I'm Jen Schneiderman
0: happy new
2: Peace year out, motherfuckers.
1: motherfuckers Yes. <laughs> 2021
0: <laughs> <laughs> um.